this is uh, it's mental podcast. Uh, I'm back. Uh, this week uh, I have uh, Freddie as uh, my guest. Uh, uh, Freddie is uh, quite a uh, uh, experienced comedian in Berlin. Especially when I was starting, I was really uh, admiring her. And now uh, over the years we start to work together, and uh, she has a really uh, unique journey to share. And uh, Freddie, do you want to introduce yourself a bit? <laughs> Hi Moni, um, I'm just recovering from blushing uh, from hearing you say such nice things about me. Um, uh, yeah, I I've been curious about your podcast as well because I feel I have used comedy very much as a tool for my mental health, and it's I think the most important part of my mental health <laughs> uh, journey. And so yeah, um, I I've been doing comedy for eight years. And eight years ago, I left the church and started comedy sort of in the same week. And um, I've, yeah, I've used comedy a lot to talk about my faith and losing my faith quite late in life and uh, what it was like to have my life changed in quite a dramatic way. And yeah, it's been really fun for me and like, or helpful and even existential to have comedy as my buddy <laughs> through that uh, time. Well, when I heard about your story, um, the way you describe it now make it quite uh, um, uh, easy thing to say, oh, yeah. I, I left church, start comedy. But uh, from uh, what I learned about you, uh, it's not, you were not a person to just go, go to church occasionally. You were like hardcore, <laughs> uh, like a religious race. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so... My father uh, was a Baptist pastor for a, a really long time. Um, and so I grew up in a really, you know, very religious Christian household. And when I was two years old, my parents and my older brother, we relocated to Sierra Leone in West Africa because my parents were missionaries there. My mom was an eye doctor and she, you know, helped people regain their eyesight. And my dad was a pastor and he trained other pastors there. So, um, it's uh, it's both good and bad. I think the good thing is I grew up bilingual and I think it's always great to live in other cultures. Um, I think the downside, which I only learned through therapy later in life, is that I, we changed locations a lot. Like we went to Africa, we went back to Germany for four months, we went back to a different place in Africa. And I had so many uh, friendships that were like broken up and just like my environment was very unsteady. So um even though it's made me very open to new people, I think it also made it a little hard for me to attach um, sometimes, which is going to make a fun appearance later in my dating life. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, I, yeah. I'm quite um, uh, surprised uh, how you frame the situation, because uh, if I were you uh, growing up in a religious situation, uh, when I start to describe it, I probably would have focused on oh the the difficult of being a very religious person and uh, start to live a uh, uh, I don't know non religious life, but uh, your mention is more focused on the moving around to not have stability in your adult lesson. Um, uh, I I guess it's uh, both the case and uh, um, you you left the church. Uh, how old were you at the time? When I left the church, I was 35. So I think a lot of people either leave it when they're like teenagers 
or maybe when they go to university. So I think I never expected that ever to happen because I thought like, I'm so solid. It's such a part of my identity. Like I, I, yeah, like you said, I didn't just go to church like a normal person. Like after my high school, I did a gap year in Great Britain and I was like a missionary myself. And I was like on stages talking to other people about finding Jesus and you know, a lot of authority, really. I mean, I was 18. Like, I don't really understand why they gave me so much authority. Um, and then I was involved in a lot of churches. And when I was like 22, 23, I founded my own church with like friends when I studied in Leipzig. And um, it's like a youth movement in Germany. They're called Jesus Freaks. And um, it's like <laughs> kind of young alternative. It's like It's like very creative and cool, but it's still very like conservative and like when it comes to morals and like you know they take the bible very seriously and but it's still like also like politically very left and also super fun so it's like a very specific um niche and i thought like this is the most freedom that i can experience while still being like super super serious about god um and i think I think I really enjoyed it while it was going on. I think it's just that once I got out in retrospect, I see, or like even talking, especially like talking to comedians who normally have had like a very different life. I realized, oh, that was like really weird what we did. But when you're in it or like my family that we were so religious, I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew that we, like my friends at school, they weren't as religious. But I mean, your family always seems normal to you, right? So it was, uh, yeah, it's it's more like in retrospect that I see like how weird it was. First, I was uh, shocked. <laughs> I, I knew your age, but I was still shocked. You were like eight years ago, I was 35. Uh, first, <laughs> you don't look, you don't even look 35 now. <laughs> so <laughs> that was uh, really shocking. Well, honey. <laughs> and um, and I, I, I would like to know, first, uh, there's so much of this can be unpacked here like uh, <laughs> uh, you, your your lifestyle is just so fascinating because uh, uh, I I I it's hard for me to imagine a person who's so deeply religious mm -hmm. and also being creative and left at the same time but we don't have enough time to unpack everything <laughs> here so I, I I would like to focus on what triggered you to like at the age of 35 you've been Jesus girl for for majority of your life, what made you suddenly decide, okay, I, I am no longer dating Jesus anymore? <laughs> so I think it was a couple of things. It was, um, I think I was just kind of curious. I've been doing it for a long time. And, and I was a little, I was always frustrated with the church, but I always tried to find like the right church. So I was in a lot of, and I thought, oh, if I just find the right place, then all of my doubts will go away, but they didn't. And then it was like, you know, because those kinds of searches are quite homophobic and like women don't have the same, uh, don't have the same role as men. And so there are always things that kind of annoyed me and it got just more and more. And then I also started dating a non-Christian guy and um, I, I hadn't been dating a lot at all. I, I basically didn't date for 16 years and like didn't have sex and I didn't even kiss somebody, I, just a very brief relationship in that time. And I think dating somebody and seeing that maybe it was just like, like that my faith was more like this hunt for love. And, you know, it's like psychologically, it makes a lot of sense to have like this best invisible friend who tells you, you love, he loves you no matter what you do. And you can always talk to him and like, you know, you know, 
you know, tell him what you're worried about. And like praying is a very powerful, it's like a meditation tool. And, and I think when I, when I started dating somebody real, then I, I realized, oh, a lot of my needs are actually also met by just being with like another human being. And I think a lot of that urge to connect with God sort of went away and kind of went to the boyfriend. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm so happy now, but it's not related to God. That's really weird. And I felt almost guilty for a while. And then I was like, hmm, maybe maybe I can try without God for a while and just like see what it's like. Um, and also I felt like I, I'd gone to film school. So I was around a lot of like really creative people anyway. And, and I felt that I came from this very judgy um, community. And I think I had a really, I just really wanted to not be judgy anymore. And so I was like, I think I can only learn that if I step out of that community. And so the, comedy community at first seemed like oh like everybody's so tolerant and free and then I realized that actually being judgy is really helpful as a comedian because it makes you have a strong opinion so <laughs> in a way the judginess never went away but I just I was like more open about it or had fun with it and now I'm like yeah I'm still judgy um, <laughs> but I can make comedy out of it so I think it's just being more transparent and and being a little bit more honest about what you see in the world and you don't because when you're a Christian you look at the world and the answer to everything has to be one thing and that is it's all it's all good or like God made it this way and it's the way it's supposed to be and like not everything feels like it's supposed to be that way or that it's good and so you, you like your frustrations you can't really take them anywhere else but to God so it's like this circle in a way. So oh, it uh, seems like you uh, you ditch Jesus for a real person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did. But he wasn't quite as perfect as Jesus. So I've been on the hunt for a perfect boyfriend ever since. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, with your journey, what um, relate with mo me the most and what I've been curious the most is about um, uh, the dating and the sexuality aspect. Because I, through getting to know you, to get to know your comedy, uh, I realized, although we grew up in such different environment, but um, uh, the core as a woman, uh, our um, approach to sex and sexuality is kind of similar uh, because of you being religious and I uh, being Asian. So I, I just really want to... I, I was curious for a very long time, really want to understand you, um, how, how that uh, upbringing and that journey was for you. So uh, you, you said you, uh, you didn't date for 16 years. Mm. And from what I learned from your company, you said you only dated one, one person uh, as a teenager. And, uh, and that's, uh, you had sex once or twice, you told me. Uh, and then for the next 16 years, you you never dated anyone. And uh, for me, this is insane uh, because in <laughs> because in China, like um, it's uh, uh, women are very uh, objectifying and to have the uh, virginity and the uh, hymen is a very important thing uh, in order to find a good marriage and to have a good life. 
So most women, they will, uh, even they are, they really want to do it. They would really do it around to save the uh, the virginity uh, as a gift or as a um, how do you say uh, capital to get into better marriage. Um, uh, so, uh, for, but but I don't understand the point is that if you already had sex, why don't you just keep doing half it? And you either don't <laughs> do it or you do it and keep doing it. And I I just didn't understand. The, um, what made you as a teenager, you, you decide to make the move, but uh, after that, you, you still like a uh, step back and to uh, contain the, in your uh, belief system and uh, to not date anyone for 16 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think I when I was 16, I wasn't as religious as in my 20s. My parents are actually sort of liberal and um, when I did this gap year in Great Britain is when I became like this fire, fiery, born again Christian. And that's when the conservative mindset set in a little bit more. So I had a normal boyfriend. I had sex. It was like, okay. And then I became like a real Christian. And um, so what they teach about sex is that um, it's, it's, yeah, it's like the special gift that you give somebody. And basically with every sexual partner, you like you let like you divide up this beautiful gift so you can't give it to one person or some people also teach that if you have sex with someone then you're like forever sort of connected spiritually with that person and so it you're never going to be like really free again of them and um or that it's like it's like it, it uses you up in a way they have like all these crazy metaphors like it's like a chewing gum like and once you've had sex, you're like a chewing gum and like who wants, what other partner wants like a chewing gum that's already been chewed on by someone else. I mean, it's like all these horrible metaphors, you know? And so I think, and, and then marriage is like such a, such a high standard. And what they tell you is that, you know, when you save yourself from marriage, like you're going to be rewarded and it's going to be really beautiful because you haven't. <laughs> you know, had bad experiences with other people. And I mean, that can be true. Like if you've had only horrible experiences with other people, then that does, you know, it builds up all this emotional baggage that we now have. And like, fair enough. Um, but it's like, it creates this expectation that can never be fulfilled. And I think that's why also I didn't date so long because I had this crazy ideal of what a guy has to be or what it will have to feel like. And that it just kind of drops into your lap because God sends you this, you know magical prince it's kind of like hollywood and god is like kind of like this mishmash you know <laughs> and and nobody i think could fulfill that and then i got like so afraid of like opening myself up because i had done it in a long time and then it it was like this vicious circle i dated one one guy within these 16 years but he was like american it was long distance so we didn't really spend that much time and we didn't have sex because he was also a christian and um so it's like i mean we made out but um yeah i think it's uh i think the christian in the christian world it's all about protecting yourself from bad experiences and it's about being pure and like yeah basically never having anything bad happen to you and i understand it but that's not what life is like and that's not how you build character not that I want to have shitty experiences with guys like there can also be a lot of damage that can be done but you know you do have to like like for example with alcohol 
people are like, yeah, you have to like have really bad drinking experiences. And then you kind of know yourself and you know how much liquor you can take. And you probably puked a couple of times and then hopefully you get smarter. But, and with relationships, I kind of think it's the same way. You have to like learn your own boundaries and like what you like and like what kind of guy you, you need or like or want. So, but, but they are basically like, you can't have any experiences. You don't fool around. You don't play with boys. And then suddenly it's going to be like magical and that it, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Right. Cause, cause you need to learn. Yeah, exactly. Like in China, like it's really ridiculous. Like uh, uh, dating is uh, not allowed. And uh, uh, at least when I was growing up, dating was not allowed. And uh, uh, parents will get really, really, uh, if in high school, people can get inspired from school if they are like dating or make out. Uh, wow. And uh, then in, in college, the, the girls, their mother will say, oh, don't date because if you date now, they don't have a job yet. Maybe they move far away. It will not end well. And then as soon as the girl graduate, from the university they were like where is your husband <laughs> and then that, and that uh, girl might never had a meaningful friendship with a guy and she doesn't know how to talk with guys at all and now you want her to be in a marriage so that's a recipe for for failure it's it's yeah. like a and I really, really like a metaphor. You uh, not a metaphor. You, a joke. You said is like, oh, this makes so much sense. It's just like um, uh, the Olympic uh, <laughs> uh, athletes. Uh, they should never exercise. So when they <laughs> when they compete, they do it so good because they, they save all their energy. And yeah, I exactly. also like oh, this. It's also like comedy. How can you? expect you to be the great comedian ever if you never perform I know and I think that's like one of the things when I started having sex again I got really angry at the church because I realized only then like how complex it actually is to have a sexual relationship with someone and like all your insecurities and their insecurities and like technical stuff and preferences and I'm like, it's so complex. You need to learn early. Not that you have to have sex early, but just to talk about it and to communicate and to understand your own body and just like, you know, uh, be educated about it. But the church does the opposite. It doesn't educate you at all. And then like, what good is that? You know, um, you have yeah. to know things. And in the, um, before you left church, um, did you have a desire uh, and uh, how how did you deal with your desire? You are a 65 years old woman. Didn't you get horny? <laughs> 35, not 65. Yes. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you look really young for 65. For 65, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, of course. I mean, I was still a sexual being. I was... I. Well, one, I was always in love with someone, but it was always like unrequited or he was a non-Christian. So I knew like I didn't really want to date him, but I thought he was cute. I mean, of course, I mean, I did masturbate. It was not like, and that was like in my circles, at least like that was okay. I think the guys had more rules about masturbating. Um, don't really know why. I think the Bible only talks about male masturbation, but it never mentions female masturbation. So people don't talk about it as much and 
I think guys probably masturbate more. Maybe that's that's why they are harsher on the guys. And I also think like the libido, I mean, that's like really sad, but like it does sort of not die, but of course it like eventually kind of is lowered after years, I think. And that is something that still makes me sad that I'm like, why did I do that to myself? And I don't really know why, but I think it was more like fear of, of opening up or yeah of feeling when you start you have sex again how, what's your new relationship with sex um the did you fear like uh, are you able to fully uh, embrace the experience um i mean that's a good question because it's so hard to to know because you never see other people having sex I mean I don't really watch porn but I mean that's like not really real anyway but so I think I mean I, I would say like considering my journey I think I was like I did pretty well that I could enjoy it and I I don't think I ever felt guilty once I decided that it was okay to have sex um but I I mean I still feel that I mean normally women my age have a lot more experience I would say and so I always assume that people are going to be like everybody is amazing in bed but then if you just talk to guys like openly they're like yeah that's not really true like a lot of people are kind of weird about sex or are not like super free or whatever and that made me feel really good <laughs> that <laughs> other that other people are also fucked up for different reasons <laughs> yeah uh, for for me like um, um growing up in a asian uh, uh, like tradition uh, like uh, the like you are free we didn't have a sex education we didn't even say oh you need to save it so it would be amazing when you find the right one um uh for my education is basically it's like what do you do with your husband and uh mm. it's uh, it's your gift and uh, it's not about pleasure it's it's about uh, love and commitment um and uh, for me what i realized is that um i, I of course i had sex uh before marriage because i'm not married <laughs> <laughs> and um and i i think for the first quite uh many years like until i start to do comedy i still feel a very strong sense of shame uh when i do have sex uh, and i especially like um, i i was trying to protect that part of me that the sexual active uh, part of me from my Chinese peers because I I I feel the strong sense of judgment, um, and uh, later on in uh, recent years I also realized that uh, because my relationship with uh, with uh, sex and how I feel about it, although I was kind of like a rebellious, I had sex anyway, uh, but um, there's a deep sense of shame that make me not able to really fully be there to enjoy the sex mm. and uh, that's uh, part of me that the reason why I, I never got an orgasm until very recently um what's your experience uh, in this aspect like uh, when you are having sex are you able to be in the flow or are, are you able to just enjoy the experience or do you still feel there a uh, baggage uh, in the back of your head? Um, that's a good question. I think it, yeah, like sometimes more than others. I, 
I mean, I would definitely say that I cannot always enjoy it and I can't always let go. But like with you or even like I like talking to or like, especially when I started having sex, I talked about it all the time because like I just wanted to know how it's what it's like for other women. And I realized that a lot of women don't talk about it that much. I mean, like, you know, that was like more like seven, eight years ago. Now, I think it's way more in the public eye to talk about female pleasure. Um, and so I also felt like a lot of women, like no matter what kind of background they had sort of feel shame or don't really know what they like or I think all like most women I know find it super hard to communicate what they like in bed I have this joke about that one of my ex-boyfriends asked always asked me if I wanted slow sex or fast sex <laughs> and I and I didn't know and I think and I always said fast sex because slow sex I don't know I was even like embarrassed to say that maybe I wanted that because I assume that he probably wants fast sex, you know? Oh, so it was just yeah. like, it's it's just like always thinking for other people and not really knowing. And so the, you know, the joke is like, uh, I never had slow sex because I didn't want to sound like a loser. I never had an orgasm, but you know, at least I looked cool. <laughs> and I think, I think, yeah, I think that's like, I think a lot of, I mean, I think we're just at the beginning of this journey for female pleasure where, where we understand And I, I asked several of my female friends who I would say are like strong feminists. And they're like, if a guy asks me what I want in bed, that's like the scariest question in my life. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's, that's so weird. And I'm the same. I don't like being asked. Like, like I, I think it's good when you get to the point where you feel comfortable enough that you can tell somebody, but like, or like an ex-boyfriend of mine was like, yeah, like, talk to me, talk to me. Or like, and I'm like, no, like, don't tell me <laughs> what to do. Either I want to do it or I get inspired of you do it, but don't tell me to to do that. I can't do that. <laughs> and the, you, you mentioned, you said you never had an orgasm. Is this dear? Is it part of the joke? Or is the your reality? Uh, uh, what do you, I mean, while I was, while I was, not dating I had orgasms when I masturbated and um later I think I mean that's also probably true for a lot of people like I could only come when like like oral sex through oral yeah. sex and I think I'm still learning but then every guy is different like even the anatomy or like how you feel with someone so I feel like whenever you meet someone new it's like oh you start from scratch and you have to like yeah get to know it's like a lot of work <laughs> I think I, some I, people I, enjoy that work and I'm just like oh <laughs> I think for me it's because like a uh, uh, orgasm for me is really really difficult it's really really real like a double rainbow kind of real <laughs> uh, and I I feel quite ashamed about it especially like uh, until lately like I, uh, until recently I never had an orgasm before And the older women, they were like, oh, I come four times a night. Oh, like, what the fuck? What is that? Um, and uh, I I feel like um, really insecure about this for a very long time. But uh, now I kind of accept, okay, it's just, uh, it, I have the ability. Now I realize I can do it, but it's more in my brain. Like, how yeah. I just really let it go to be in the yeah. moment and to, to enjoy um and uh, I, i i aside from your sexuality i i'm also quite curious like um uh what's your transition period from um 
church to to come the like you said almost in the same week um <laughs> and how how come the, these two things happened simultaneous and what made you decide oh i'm i want to do comedy um so I would say that I didn't grow up watching a lot of comedy. So I, I was never like, ooh, I'm like such a comedy nerd or something. It was never really also because in Germany, there's not that much great stuff. So um, and then I think when I started dating that non-Christian guy, I think through him, I started watching more like Seinfeld and Louis and stuff. And um, and then I met somebody uh, here in Germany who a German guy from my film school who also did English comedy and I don't know, I just, I think it was like the right thing at the right time because he was like, yeah, come to my shows. And I watched two shows and I just knew that I wanted to do it. And I even talked to an old friend of mine and he was like, yeah, I remember you basically came to me and you're like, I'm going to do this now. And it wasn't yeah. just like, oh, maybe I'll like it. But he was like, you were so sure that this is what you want and what gives you joy and that you were like so committed and that's like how I felt like I saw it and then like a week later I did my first set and it was just like I think I really needed it to talk about like my first set was talking about what a judgmental Christian I was uh -huh. and I just I just needed it I think to talk about what was going on because I didn't really know a lot of people that left the church at the time like now I know a lot more but um, and so, yeah, I, uh, I remember it was like the Easter Sunday service. Um, I was sitting in church and I had my phone in my hand and I typed my first comedy set into my phone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then that was like one of the, maybe the last time I went to church. Yeah. And so when you decided to do comedy, you haven't fully left church yet, uh, but you already no. have, have a like feeling you, you want to go. Yeah, I think I was pretty much done in my heart. Like, I didn't know that I would lose my faith. I thought I would just stop going to church, but I would still believe in God. And then that also kind of went away. I don't know why, if it was because I was like comedians, they were all like super hardcore atheists. <laughs> and, and maybe it was the exposure to that, or maybe it would have gone away. I think I was just curious to experience a world without God in a way. And see what that would feel like and so but but i i i saw um i dug out like old clips from my beginning years and in one of the first clips like after i'd done comedy maybe for a little bit over a year i still kind of talk about me as almost like being a christian mm -hmm. so that's interesting so at the beginning i was still like oh yeah i'm still a christian but i'm making fun of myself and then now i wouldn't consider myself a christian anymore yeah, you only need to leave it for a certain period to realize, oh, you are not going back. Yeah, I think once you once you leave this kind of a system and you step out and then you look at it from the outside, you see you see all the faults, and then you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I can't, I can't go back. <laughs> and and I, I think it's like a kind of you are like an open relationship with Jesus for a while, and you realize, <laughs> oh, actually, I don't want to do this. I think it's time to break up. Yeah, I think, yeah, for a while I was like, yeah, I can just like keep him on the back burner and um, sort of, you know, have the benefits of it. But then I, I realized like, I don't, I don't really need it anymore. Um, and then now sometimes I miss things. I, I really miss prayer, for example, and like 
having somebody to address it to. I mean, I meditate, but it's a little different, you know. No, I do miss you it. You do but... affirmation. It's okay. I I I thought it's kind of similar thing. Yeah, all that stuff is very similar. I would say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, with the the journey, uh, as as a church girl, and now your transit, uh, did this impact your dating life? Uh after that uh, and do you think you are still navigating of uh, being a non-religious person to to embrace the new lifestyle yeah so I really only started dating when I started comedy because I think I was around all these people that also told all these wild dating stories on stage and I was like oh it's it's also just like an adventure because like we said we grew up like having to protect things so much and you don't want bad experiences and through comedy, you realize, oh, bad experiences. They're maybe not fun, but you can tell a funny story about it. And then everybody gets, we can all laugh about this stupid thing that I did. And it makes me feel better kind of, you know? Um, and so I think it was, it gave me permission to just kind of have fun with it a little bit more and just kind of see what's out there and not be so afraid that something bad would happen. And um, so I, I did that. And I think in the first years, like even on a first date, I would always tell guys that I used to be super religious and I didn't have sex. And it, it was more like that I felt obligated to tell them, like almost as if saying like, I'm not like a normal girl, you know, just so you know, because it was so new for me. And I think, I think they all were like, oh, this is very interesting. And of course they also like kind of fetishize you if you say like you haven't had, it's, I mean, I wasn't a virgin, but it's kind of like that same thing that guys, like some guys kind of like that or I once had like I was like 40 and like there was this really young guy he was like 24 or something and he he thought it was really hot that I was like so much older but probably had less experience than him so he kind of fetishized me for my age and my innocence <laughs> in a way it was very <laughs> weird <laughs> the innocent milf exactly it's my second special <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I I I really really like uh, enjoy the special like your 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 journey is really like uh, so interesting um and uh, I um I I don't want to project here uh you talk about um uh like uh, the comedy is your main tool to to process your mental health issue uh, and um uh obviously your transition from uh, like hardcore church girl to a, a comedian, uh, you, do you think there are other impact of uh, comedy has helped you to uh, to process regarding your mental health? Yeah, I think like after I did comedy for two years, I took a pretty long break, like like three months, which was before the pandemic. That was like a long break, um, because I felt like I was getting very cynical because I think. I enjoyed comedy so much that I started just looking at everything through this comedy perspective. And I, I didn't really like that. And I didn't want to become like a cynical person. And I was like, oh, maybe this is not for me. So I took a step back um, and then I really thought maybe I won't do it again. Or, But now I think you kind of learn, learn the good, mm, the positive traits of that of that comedy outlook on life and, and, and hopefully not become so, I think it's important to have 
friends outside of comedy <laughs> that kind of have, you know, have n- n- normal lives or different lives and, uh, and are not so cynical because if you only hang out with comedians, it is kind of, I really enjoy it and I also need it, but um, it's not, nor- we're not normal in that way. I think it, it can be a little bit cynical sometimes. Yeah. Um I uh, I think the the comedy uh, the podcast is coming to an end. Um, I I want to let you know that I I really really appreciate your work and uh, your your uh, solo show Church Girl uh, interrupted. I think it's uh, it's really a great piece of work. Um, I think especially here like in Berlin we are in a quite um, new scene, so we don't have professional comedians yet. And uh, to work with a solo, uh, is is something uh, quite uh, new for for people yeah. uh, in our town to do it. And uh, I I really appreciate your work. Uh, it's not only like a whole coherent piece. Um, and uh, you you put uh, all all kinds of different styles uh, into the into the comedy. You um not only pure stand up, you also did uh, alternative beats. And of course, mm-hmm. you are a really really great writer and a comedian. Uh, but most importantly, I think um uh that uh, your your comedy has something to say, and uh, uh it uh, it can relate with uh, people with similar experience. Uh, and I I think uh, that's uh, that's what beyond comedy, uh, co- like it, uh, for open micers it's fun to just go there to hear have uh, everyone applaud for you, but I think uh, when you work on a solo level, uh, it's uh, it's it's not a uh, sixty minutes of club set, and uh, your your solo is uh, um it's a product like a as artist product but also as a marketing product but it also i believe it can create lots of good impact for people uh, and i i really appreciate and uh, admire that oh thank you moni i feel very seen <laughs> and, and yeah um, i always i always thought like even if people don't like my comedy but they still get a good story <laughs> if they come to my show Yes, yes, I think um, like the the solo it's um, it's it's a different format, and uh, like it's kind of like a difference between short novels and uh, like a big fantasy book, uh, and I I think you really utilized with this format to tell a coherent story and your journey and also your different perspective, especially this like a really uh, different mix, like a really, really hardcore, uh, like a religious person. But then suddenly in Berlin, the, the crazy shit you did in this solo, I was like, wow, I cannot <laughs> imagine um, because I'm seeing this really uh, good looking, attractive, um, hip, talented, creative uh, comedian. <laughs> And then you were like a, such insane, like a religious <laughs> person. And it's just brings so much um, like a comedy uh, drama in it. Um, <clears throat> and I, I think it's really, really well done. Uh, so anyway, uh, and uh, at the end. <laughs> <laughs> June, June 3rd, June 3rd, I'm doing my solo show again. Okay, yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if the podcast comes out before that. But... Yeah, uh, it, it will come next week. 
Uh, so mm. uh, Freddie is doing her, her solo show again in, in, in June 3rd at the Ziba. Uh, so just check out her website, uh, Eventbrite, uh, Facebook, uh, uh, Instagram, yeah. you'll find the information. <laughs> and the one last thing I want to ask you is, um, like, uh, uh, I, I actually already know the answer. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, from your mental health uh, and as a comedian uh, can you recommend a comedy uh, show uh, special where we can easily find online that uh, really resonates with you and you really um, admire and inspired and recommend oh, your a, audience yeah that's a good question um i mean i really I really love Maria Bamford. She's probably been mentioned on this podcast before. She talks a lot about mental health and I think she's just so kooky. She's very smart, I think, and very self-aware, but just really silly as well. I love her. I love Gary Gullman, who also talks a lot about his depression. Uh, his, his recent special is called The Great Depression. Yeah. He, I just really love his, his style and like the way he thinks. And then also I really like Neil Brennan, Three Mics. Um, where he kind of also found a way to like um, use comedy, but also kind of put like some serious stuff there where he's like, oh, I don't really know how to make this funny, but I really want it to be in the, uh, in the stand-up special. So yeah, I really love that. And if it's not stand-up, I really like Fleabag, obviously. Um, I think that's a very cool uh, female comedic voice, a very honest and very kind of, yeah, fresh. Yeah. Oh, I'm really surprised because I thought you re really would uh, mention the, the girl, what's her name? Tomlin? Oh, Taylor Tomlinson. Yeah, yeah she's great. Yeah. That's true. That's true. She's probably closest to my own journey, um, except yeah. that she started comedy when she was like 15. <laughs> <laughs> ah. So um, jealous. Great. <laughs> Right, no, she will burn out soon, uh, and <laughs> and she will look older than you were soon. Anyway, <laughs> so I, I think uh, three mics is is really really a masterpiece. Uh, yeah. I was I was uh, actually my journey is uh, like can with comedy is kind of similar to you. Like I never watched comedy before. Like uh, I'm from China, my English was really not so good. When I started comedy, now I watch my first video. Oh my God, I was like, how can anyone understand me? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I first time watched a comedy show, and immediately I was like, I want to do this thing. It's something I want to do. And wow. I also like went back to the same show two weeks later, and I just started. And I was just so sure. I was never so sure about anything wow. in my life before, and it just works. And um, and then I was really, really depressed at that time. Then I watched near uh near Brennan. I was like, wow, this is so yeah. incredible! Like I didn't know doing comedy, you can be like getting so dark on stage, yeah. and uh, there was a like prolonged period uh of time on stage. There was no laughter at all. And uh, it's, yeah. it's just in yeah. talking, and that's that's so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot changing, and I think that's great that it doesn't have to be one thing, and like people get really vulnerable. That's like what I'm interested in. I just want people to show me like their real shit and like what like scares them and what changed them. I think yeah, yeah. I think I'm I'm still in love with the medium of comedy. I think it can do everything. 
Uh, cool. I I I am really really uh, the podcast uh, podcast is going to end in very soon. Uh, I but I, I I want to tell you like I I really enjoy the conversation and I still have so many questions about you. <laughs> I just like uh, every time when you talk about your past, I'm like uh, in my brain I cannot make this work and uh, <laughs> and I'm like uh, I I really can picture you to have like your uh your mini series about your your journey like flick flick back uh, because this is just so ridiculous of all the shit you did before and now what you are doing this and uh, yeah. I have so many questions still and I I really like to get to know you more. <laughs> it's I I look at you like you you said oh I'm insecure about the what then I was like oh you look like so hot <laughs> so attractive and uh, and so talented uh, smart intelligent and then you are like oh you are insecure sexually I was like oh this is insane <laughs> oh now I know what you mean yeah when I talk about the orgasm gap yeah 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 of course I mean but everybody's insecure you know that right. Uh, I I don't know because I <laughs> I I grew up uh, uh, ugly child and I always think people who's tall, beautiful and hot they have no issues in life and now look <laughs> at you <laughs> you have everything you still have issues I'm happy about that. Well, I I would say in my twenties I I was also not as attractive, so you know I blossomed a little later after okay. I left Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, uh, thank you so much for the conversation, and thank I hope you. Uh, eventually you will find a good partner as good as Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, fingers crossed. And uh, talk with you soon, and uh, have a yeah. good day. You too. Bye. Hello, this is uh, it's mental. Wow. Okay. Hello, this is uh, It's Mental Podcast. Uh, I'm back. Uh, this week, uh, I have uh, Freddie as uh, my guest. Uh, uh, Freddie is uh, quite an uh, experienced comedian in Berlin, especially when I was starting. I was really uh, admiring her. And now, uh, over the years, we start to work together. And uh, she has a really uh, unique journey to share. And uh, Freddie, do you want to introduce yourself a bit? <laughs> Hi Moni, um, I'm just recovering from blushing uh, from hearing you say such nice things about me. Um, uh, yeah, I I've been curious about your podcast as well because I feel I have used comedy very much as a tool for my mental health, and it's I think the most important part of my mental health <laughs> uh, journey. And so yeah, um, I I've been doing comedy for eight years. And eight years ago, I left the church and started comedy sort of in the same week. And um, I've, yeah, I've used comedy a lot to talk about my faith and losing my faith quite late in life and uh, what it was like to have my life changed in quite a dramatic way. And yeah, it's been really fun for me and like, or helpful and even existential to have comedy as my buddy <laughs> through that uh, time. Well, when I heard about your story, um, the way you describe it now make it quite uh, um, uh, easy thing to say, oh, yeah. I, I <laughs> left church, that comedy. But uh, from uh, what I learned about you, uh, it's not, you were not a person to just go, go to church occasionally. You were like hardcore 
core, <laughs> uh, like a religious race. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So my father uh, was a Baptist pastor for a, a really long time. Um, and so I grew up in a really, you know, very religious Christian household. And when I was two years old, my parents and my older brother, we relocated to Sierra Leone in West Africa because my parents were missionaries there. My mom was an eye doctor and she, you know, helped people regain their eyesight. And my dad was a pastor and he trained other pastors there. So um, it's, uh, it's both good and bad. I think the good thing is I grew up bilingual and I think it's always great to live in other cultures. Um, I think the downside, which I only learned through therapy later in life is that I, we changed locations a lot. Like we went to Africa, we went back to Germany for four months. We went back to a different place in Africa. And I had so many uh, friendships that were like broken up and just like my environment was very unsteady. So um, even though it's made me very open to new people, I think it also made it a little hard for me to attach um, sometimes, which is going to make a fun appearance later in my dating life. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 um, yeah. I'm quite um, uh, surprised uh, how you frame the situation because uh, if I were you uh, growing up in a religious situation, uh, when I start to describe it, I probably would have focused on oh the, the difficult of being a very religious person and uh, start to live a, a I don't know, non-religious life. But uh, your mention is more focused on the moving around to not have stability in your adult lesson. Um, uh, I, I guess it's uh, both the case and uh, um, you you left the church. Uh, how old were you at the time? When I left the church, I was 35. So I think a lot of people either leave it when they're like teenagers or maybe when they go to university. So I think I never expected that ever to happen because I thought like, I'm so solid. It's such a part of my identity. Like I, I, yeah, like you said, I didn't just go to church like a normal person. Like after my high school, I did a gap year in Great Britain and I was like a missionary myself. And I was like on stages talking to other people about finding Jesus and, you know, a lot of authority really. I mean, I was 18. Like, I don't really understand why they gave me so much authority. Um, and then I was involved in a lot of churches. And when I was like 22, 23, I founded my own church with like friends when I studied in Leipzig. And um, it's like a youth movement in Germany. They're called Jesus Freaks. And um, <laughs> it's like kind of young alternative. It's like, it's like very creative and cool, but it's still very like conservative. And like when it comes to morals and like, you know, they take the Bible very seriously and but it's still like also like politically very left and also super fun. So it's like a very specific um, niche. And I thought like this is the most freedom that I can experience while still being like super, super serious about God. Um, and I think I think I really enjoyed it while it was going on. I think it's just that once I got out in retrospect, I see or like even talking, especially like talking to comedians who normally have had like a very different life. I realized, oh, that was like really weird what we did. But when you're in it or like my family, that we were so religious, I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew that we like my friends at school, they weren't as religious. But I mean, your family always seems normal to you, right? So mm -hmm. it was 
uh, yeah, it's it's more like in retrospect that I see like how weird it was. First, I was uh, shocked. <laughs> I, I knew your age, but I was still shocked. You were like eight years ago. I was thirty-five. Uh, first, <laughs> you don't look. You don't even look thirty-five now. <laughs> so <laughs> that was uh, really shocking. Well, honey. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I I I would like to know first. Uh, there's so much of this can be unpacked here. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, your 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 lifestyle is just so fascinating because uh, uh, I I. I, it's hard for me to imagine a person who's so deeply religious mm -hmm. and also being creative and left at the same time, but we don't have enough time to unpack everything <laughs> here. So I, I, I would like to focus on what triggered you to, like at the age of 35, you've been Jesus girl for for majority of your life. What made you suddenly decide, okay, I, I am no longer dating Jesus anymore? <laughs> So I think it was a couple of things. It was, um, I think I was just kind of curious. I've been doing it for a long time and, and I was a little, I was always frustrated with the church, but I always tried to find like the right church. So I was in a lot of, and I thought, oh, if I just find the right place, then all of my doubts will go away, but they didn't. And then it was like, you know, because those kinds of churches, they're quite homophobic and like women don't have the same uh, don't have the same role as men and so there are always things that kind of annoyed me and it got just more and more and then I also started dating a non-Christian guy and um, I I hadn't been dating a lot at all I, I basically didn't date for 16 years and like didn't have sex and I didn't even kiss somebody I, just a very brief relationship in that time and I think dating somebody and seeing that maybe it was just like like that my faith was more like this hunt for love and you know it's like psychologically it makes a lot of sense to have like this best invisible friend who tells you you love he loves you no matter what you do and you can always talk to him and like you know you know you know tell him what you're worried about and like praying is a very powerful it's like a meditation tool and and I think when I when I started dating somebody real then I, I realized, oh, a lot of my needs are actually also met by just being with like another human being. And I think a lot of that urge to connect with God sort of went away and kind of went to the boyfriend. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm so happy now, but it's not related to God. That's really weird. And I felt almost guilty for a while. And then I was like, hmm, maybe maybe I can try without God for a while and just like see what it's like. Um, and also I felt like I, I'd gone to film school. So I was around a lot of like really creative people anyway. And, and I felt that I came from this very judgy um, community. And I think I had a really, I just really wanted to not be judgy anymore. And so I was like, I think I can only learn that if I step out of that community. And so the, comedy community at first seemed like oh like everybody's so tolerant and free and then I realized that actually being judgy is really helpful as a comedian because it makes you have a strong opinion so <laughs> in a way the judginess never went away but I just I was like more open about it or had fun with it and now I'm like yeah I'm still judgy um, <laughs> but I can make comedy out of it so I think it's just being more transparent and and being a little bit more honest about what you see in the world and you don't because when you're a Christian you look at the world and the answer to everything has to be one thing and that is it's all 
it's all good or like God made it this way and it's the way it's supposed to be. And like, not everything feels like it's supposed to be that way or that it's good. And so you, you like your frustrations, you can't really take them anywhere else, but to God. So it's like this circle in a way. Oh, it uh, seems like you, uh, you ditch Jesus for real person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did, but he wasn't quite as perfect as Jesus, so I've been on the hunt for a perfect boyfriend ever since. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, with your journey, what um relate with mo me the most, and what I've been curious the most is about um uh, the dating and the sexuality aspect, because I through getting to know you to get to know your comedy, uh, I realized although we grew up in such different environment but um uh the core as a woman uh our um approach to sex and sexuality is kind of similar uh because of you being religious and i uh, being asian so i i just really want to i i was curious for a very long time really want to understand you um how, how that uh upbringing and that journey was for you so uh, you you said you uh you didn't date for sixteen years, mm. and from what I learned from your comedy, you said you only dated one one person, uh as a teenager, and uh and that's uh, you had sex once or twice you told me, uh, and then for the next sixteen years you you never dated anyone, and uh, for me this is insane, uh because <laughs> in <laughs> because in China like um. It's uh, uh, women are very uh, objectifying and to have the uh, virginity and the uh, hymen is a very important thing uh, in order to find a good marriage and to have a good life. So most women, they will, uh, even they are, they really want to do it. They would really do it around to save the uh, the virginity uh, as a gift or as a um how do you say uh capital to get into better marriage. Um, uh, so uh, for, but but I don't understand the point is that if you already had sex, why don't you just keep doing half it? And uh, you either don't <laughs> do it or you do it and keep doing it. And I I just didn't understand. Um, what made you as a teenager? You you decide to make the move, but uh, after that you you still like a uh, uh, step back and to uh contained in your uh belief system and uh, to not date anyone for sixteen years. Mm -hmm. yeah so I think I when I was 16 I wasn't as religious as in my 20s my parents are actually sort of liberal and um when I did this gap year in Great Britain is when I became like this fire fiery born again Christian and that's when the conservative mindset set in a little bit more so I had a normal boyfriend I had sex it was like okay and then I became like a real Christian and um so what they teach about sex is that um, it's it's yeah it's like the special gift that you give somebody and basically with every sexual partner you like you let like you divide up this beautiful gift so you can't give it to one person or some people also teach that if you have sex with someone then you're like forever sort of connected spiritually with that person and so it you're never going to be like really free again of them and um or that it's like 
it's like it, it uses you up in a way they have like all these crazy metaphors like it's like a chewing gum like and once you've had sex you're like a chewing gum and like who wants what other partner wants like a chewing gum that's already been chewed on by someone else I mean it's like all these horrible metaphors you know and so I think and, and then marriage is like such a such a high standard and what they tell you is that you know when you save yourself from marriage like you're going to be rewarded and it's going to be really beautiful because you haven't <laughs> you know had bad experiences with other people and I mean that can be true like if you've had only horrible experiences with other people then that does you know it builds up all this emotional baggage that we now have and like fair enough um but it's like it creates this expectation that can never be fulfilled and I think that's why also I didn't date so long because I had this crazy ideal of what a guy has to be or what it will have to feel like and that it just kind of drops into your lap because God sends you this you know magical prince it's kind of like Hollywood and God is like kind of like this mishmash you know <laughs> and and nobody I think could fulfill that and then I got like so afraid of like opening myself up because I had done it in a long time and then it it was like this vicious circle. I dated one one guy within these 16 years, but he was like American. It was long distance. So we didn't really spend that much time and we didn't have sex because he was also a Christian. And um, so it's like, I mean, we made out, but um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think the Christian in the Christian world, it's all about protecting yourself from bad experiences. And it's about being pure and like, yeah, basically never having anything bad happen to you. And I understand it, but that's not what life is like. And that's not how you build character. Not that I want to have shitty experiences with guys. Like there can also be a lot of damage that can be done. But, you know, you do have to like, like, for example, with alcohol, people are like, yeah, you have to like have really bad drinking experiences. And then you kind of know yourself and you know how much liquor you can take. And you probably puked a couple of times. And then hopefully you get smarter. But and with relationships, I kind of think it's the same way. You have to like learn your own boundaries and like what you like and like what kind of guy you you need or like or want. So but but they are basically like you can't have any experiences. You don't fool around. You don't play with boys. And then suddenly it's going to be like magical. And that it, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Right. Because because you need to learn yeah exactly like in china like it's really ridiculous like uh, uh dating is uh, not allowed and uh, uh at least when i was growing up dating was not allowed and uh, uh parents will get really really uh, if in high school people can get inspired from school if they are like dating or make out uh wow. and uh then in in college, the the girls, their mother will say, oh, don't date because if you date now, they don't have a job yet. Maybe they move far away. It will not end where. And then as soon as the girl graduate from the university, they were like, where is your husband? <laughs> <laughs> and then that, and that uh, uh, girl might never had a meaningful friendship with them guy and she doesn't know how to talk with guys at all and now you want her to be in a marriage so that's a recipe for for failure it's it's yeah. like a and i really really like a metaphor you not a metaphor a joke you said is like oh this makes so much sense it's just like um uh the olympic uh <laughs> uh 
athletes, uh, they should never exercise. So when they when they compete, they do it so good because they they save all their energy. And uh, yeah, exactly. I also like oh, this. It's also like comedy. How can you expect you be the great comedian ever if you never perform? I know. And I think that's like one of the things when I started having sex again, I got really angry at the church because I realized only then like how complex it actually is to have a sexual relationship with someone and like all your insecurities and their insecurities and like technical stuff and preferences. And I'm like, it's so complex. You need to learn early, not that you have to have sex early, but just to talk about it and to communicate and to understand your own body and just like, you know, uh, be educated about it. But the church does the opposite. It doesn't educate you at all. And then like, what good is that? You know, um, you have yeah. to know things. And in the, um, before you left church, um, did you have a desire? Uh, and how how did you deal with your desire? You are a 65 years old woman. Didn't you get horny? <laughs> 35, not 65. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> you look really young for 65. For 65, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, of course. I mean, I was still a sexual being. I was... I. Well, one, of, I was always in love with someone, but it was always like unrequited or he was a non-Christian. So I knew like I didn't really want to date him, but I thought he was cute. I mean, of course, I mean, I did masturbate. It was not like, and that was like in my circles, at least like that was okay. I think the guys had more rules about masturbating. Um, don't really know why. I think the Bible only talks about male masturbation, but it never mentions female masturbation. So people don't talk about it as much. And I think guys probably masturbate more. Maybe that's, that's why they are harsher on the guys. And I also think like the libido, I mean, that's like really sad, but like it does sort of not die, but of course it like eventually kind of is lowered after years, I think. And that is something that still makes me sad that I'm like, why did I do that to myself? And I don't really know why, but I think it was more like fear of, of opening up or yeah of feeling when you start to have sex again how, what's your new relationship with sex um the did you feel like uh, are you able to fully uh, embrace the experience um i mean that's a good question because it's so hard to to know because you never see other people having sex I mean I don't really watch porn but I mean that's like not really real anyway but so I think I mean I, I would say like considering my journey I think I was like I did pretty well that I could enjoy it and I I don't think I ever felt guilty once I decided that it was okay to have sex um but I I mean I still feel that I mean normally women my age have a lot more experience I would say and so I always assume that people are gonna be like everybody is amazing in bed but then if you just talk to guys like openly they're like yeah that's not really true like a lot of people are kind of weird about sex or are not like super free or whatever and that made me feel really good <laughs> that <laughs> other, that other people are also fucked up for different reasons <laughs> yeah uh, for for me like um 
um, growing up in an Asian, uh, uh, like tradition, uh, like uh, the like your upbringing, we didn't have a sex education. We didn't even say, oh, you need to save it so it would be amazing when you find the right one. Um, uh, for my education, it's basically it's like what do you do with your husband? And uh, mm. it's uh, it's your gift, and uh, it's not about pleasure. It's it's about uh, love and commitment. Um, and uh, for me, what I realized is that um, I, I of course I had sex uh before marriage because i'm not married <laughs> <laughs> and um and i i think for the first quite uh many years like until i start to do comedy i still feel a very strong sense of shame uh when i do have sex uh, and i especially like um, i i was trying to protect that part of me that the sexual active uh, part of me from my Chinese peers because I I I feel the strong sense of judgment, um, and uh, later on in uh, recent years I also realized that uh, because my relationship with uh, with uh, sex and how I feel about it, although I was kind of like a rebellious, I had sex anyway, uh, but um, there's a deep sense of shame that make me not able to really fully be there to enjoy the sex mm. and uh, that's uh, part of me that the reason why I, I never got an orgasm until very recently um what's your experience uh, in this aspect like uh, when you are having sex are you able to be in the flow or are, are you able to just enjoy the experience or do you still feel there a uh, baggage uh, in the back of your head? Um, that's a good question. I think it, yeah, like sometimes more than others. I, I mean, I would definitely say that I cannot always enjoy it and I can't always let go. But like with you, or even like I like talking to, or like especially when I started having sex, I talked about it all the time because <laughs> like I just wanted to know how it's what it's like for other women and I realized that a lot of women don't talk about it that much I mean like you know that was like more like seven eight years ago now I think it's way more in the public eye to talk about female pleasure um and so I also felt like a lot of women like no matter what kind of background they had sort of feel shame or don't really know what they like or I think all like most women I know find it super hard to communicate what they like in bed I have this joke about that one of my ex-boyfriends asked always asked me if I wanted slow sex or fast sex <laughs> and I and I didn't know and I think and I always said fast sex because slow sex I don't know I was even like embarrassed to say that maybe I wanted that because I assumed that he probably wants fast sex you know oh, so it was just yeah. like it's it's just like always thinking for other people and not really knowing and so the you know the joke is like uh I never had slow sex because I didn't want to sound like a loser. I never had an orgasm, but you know, at least I looked cool. <laughs> and I think, I think, yeah, I think that's like, I think a lot of, I mean, I think we're just at the beginning of this journey for female pleasure where, where we understand. And I, I asked several of my female friends who I would say are like strong feminists. And they're like, if a guy asks me what I want in bed, that's like the scariest question in my life <laughs> and I was like wow that's that's so weird and I'm the same I don't like being asked like like I 
I think it's good when you get to the point where you feel comfortable enough that you can tell somebody, but like, or like an ex-boyfriend of mine was like, yeah, like talk to me, talk to me. Or like, and I'm like, no, like, don't tell me <laughs> what to do either. I want to do it or I get inspired of you do it, but don't tell me to, to do that. I can't do that. <laughs> and the, you, you mentioned that you said you never had an orgasm. Is this dear? Is it part of the joke or is the, your reality? Uh, uh, what do you, I mean, while I was, while I was not dating, I had orgasms when I masturbated and, um, later I think, I mean, that's also probably true for a lot of people. Like I could only come when like, like oral sex through oral yeah. sex. And I think I'm still learning, but then every guy is different. Like even the anatomy or like how you feel with someone. So I feel like whenever you meet someone new, it's like, oh, you start from scratch and you have to like yeah. get to know. It's like a lot of work. <laughs> I think I, some I, people I, enjoy that work and I'm just like, oh. <laughs> I think for me, it's because like uh, uh, orgasm for me is really, really difficult. It's really, really real, like a double rainbow kind of rare. <laughs> uh, and I, I feel quite ashamed about it. Especially like uh, until lately, like I, uh, until recently, I never had an orgasm before. And the older women, they were like, oh, I come four times a night. Oh, I was like, what the fuck? What is that? Um, and uh, I I feel like um, really insecure about this for a very long time. But uh, now I kind of accept, okay, it's just, uh, it, I have the ability. Now I realize I can do it, but it's more in my brain. Like how yeah. I just really let it go to be in the yeah. moment and to, to enjoy um and uh, I, I I aside from your sexuality I am also quite curious like um uh what's your transition period from um uh, church to to comedy like you said almost in the same week um <laughs> and uh, how how come the, these two things happened simultaneous and what made you decide oh I'm I want to do comedy um so I would say that I didn't grow up watching a lot of comedy. So I, I was never like, ooh, I'm like such a comedy nerd or something. It was never really also because in Germany, there's not that much great stuff. So um, and then I think when I started dating that non-Christian guy, I think through him, I started watching more like Seinfeld and Louis and stuff. And um, and then I met somebody uh, here in Germany who a German guy from my film school who also did English comedy and I don't know, I just, I think it was like the right thing at the right time because he was like, yeah, come to my shows. And I watched two shows and I just knew that I wanted to do it. And I even talked to an old friend of mine and he was like, yeah, I remember you basically came to me and you're like, I'm going to do this now. And it wasn't mm -hmm. just like, oh, maybe I'll like it. But he was like, you were so sure that this is what you want and what gives you joy and that you were like so committed and that's like how I felt like I saw it and then like a week later I did my first set and it was just like I think I really needed it to talk about like my first set was talking about what a judgmental Christian I was uh -huh. and I just I just needed it I think to talk about what was going on because I didn't really know a lot of people that left the church at the time like now I know a lot more but um and so yeah I uh, 
I remember it was like the Easter Sunday service. Um, I was sitting in church and I had my phone in my hand and I typed my first comedy set into my phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that was like one of the, maybe the last time I went to church. Yeah. And so when you decided to do comedy, you haven't fully left church yet, uh, but you already no. have, have a like feeling you, you want to go. Yeah, I think I was pretty much done in my heart. Like I didn't know that I would lose my faith. I thought I would just stop going to church, but I would still believe in God. And then that also kind of went away. I don't know why, if it was because I was like comedians, they were all like super hardcore atheists. And, yeah. <laughs> and maybe it was the exposure to that, or maybe it would have gone away. I think I was just curious to experience a world without God mm-hmm. in a way and see what that would feel like. And so, but, oh. but I, I, I saw, um, I dug out like old clips from my beginning years. And in one of the first clips, like after I'd done comedy, maybe for a little bit over a year, I still kind of talk about me as almost like being a Christian. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So at the beginning I was still like, Oh yeah, I'm still a Christian, but I'm making fun of myself. And then now I wouldn't consider myself a Christian anymore. Yeah, you only need to leave it for a certain period to realize, oh, you are not going back. Yeah, I think once you once you leave this kind of a system and you step out and then you look at it from the outside, you see you see all the faults, and then you're like, ah, oh, yeah, I can't I can't go back. <laughs> and I I think it's like a kind of you were like an open relationship with Jesus for a while, and you realize, <laughs> oh, actually, I don't want to do this. I think it's time to break up. Yeah, I think, yeah, for a while I was like, yeah, I can just like keep him on the back burner and um, sort of, you know, have the benefits of it. But then I, I realized like I don't I don't really need it anymore. Um, and then now sometimes I miss things. I, I really miss prayer, for example, and like having somebody to address it to. I mean, I meditate, but it's a little different, you know. No, I do. Miss you do it, affirmation. But... It's okay. I I. I thought it's kind of similar thing. Yeah, all that stuff is very similar. I would say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, with the the journey, uh, as as a church girl, and now your transit, uh, did this impact your dating life? Uh, after that, uh, and do you think you are still navigating of uh, being a non-religious person to to embrace the new lifestyle? Yeah. So I really only started dating when I started comedy because I think I was around all these people that also told all these wild dating stories on stage. And I was like, oh, it's it's also just like an adventure because like we said, we grew up like having to protect things so much and you don't want bad experiences. And through comedy, you realize, oh, bad experiences. They're maybe not fun, but you can tell a funny story about it. And then everybody gets, we can all laugh about this stupid thing that I did and it makes me feel better kind of, you know. Um, and so I think it was, it gave me permission to just kind of have fun with it a little bit more and just kind of see what's out there and not be so afraid that something bad would happen. And, um, so I, I did that. And I think in the first years, like even on a first date, I would always tell guys that I used to be super religious and I didn't have sex. And it, it was more like that. I felt obligated to tell them like almost as if saying like, I'm not like a normal girl, you know, just so <laughs> you know, because it was so new for me. And I think 
I think they all were like, oh, this is very interesting. And of course, they also like kind of fetishize you if you say like you haven't had it's I mean, I wasn't a virgin, but it's kind of like that same thing that guys like some guys kind of like that. Or I once had like I was like 40 and like there was this really young guy. He was like 24 or something. And he he thought it was really hot that I was like so much older, but probably had less experience than him. So he kind of fetishized me for my age and my Innocence, in a way it was very <laughs> weird <laughs> the innocent milf exactly it's my second special <laughs> yeah I, I i i really really like i uh, enjoy the special like your 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 journey is really like uh, so interesting um and uh, i um i i don't want to project here uh you talk about um uh like uh the comedy is your main tool to to process your mental health issue, uh, and um, uh, obviously your transition from uh, like hardcore church girl to a uh, uh, comedian. Uh, you, do you think there are other impact of uh, comedy has helped you to uh, to process regarding your mental health? Yeah, I think like after I did comedy for two years, I took a pretty long break, like like three months, which was before the pandemic. That was like a long break um, because I felt like I was getting very cynical because I think I enjoyed comedy so much that I started just looking at everything through this comedy perspective. And I I didn't really like that. And I didn't want to become like a cynical person. And I was like, oh, maybe this is not for me. So I took a step back um, and then I really thought maybe I won't do it again. Or, But now I think you kind of learn, learn the good, mm, the positive traits of that, of that comedy outlook on life and, and, and hopefully not become so, I think it's important to have friends outside of comedy <laughs> that kind of have, you know, have n normal lives or different lives and, uh, and are not so cynical because if you only hang out with comedians it is kind of I really enjoy it and I also need it but um it's not nor we're not normal in that way I think it, it can be a little bit cynical sometimes yeah uh I uh I think the the comedy uh, the podcast is coming to an end um I, I want to let you know that I I really really appreciate your work and uh, your your uh, solo show church girl uh interrupted i think it's uh, it's really a great piece of work um i think especially here like in berlin we are in a quite um, new scene so we don't have professional comedians yet and uh, to work with a solo uh is is something uh, quite uh, new for for people yeah. uh, in our town to do it and uh, i i really appreciate your work uh, it's not only like a whole coherent piece um and uh, you you put uh, all, all kinds of different styles uh, into the into the comedy you um not only pure stand up you also did uh, alternative beats and of course mm -hmm. you are a really really great writer and a comedian uh, but most importantly i think um, uh, that uh, your your comedy has something to say and uh, uh, it uh, it can relate with uh, people with similar experience uh, and I I think uh, that's uh, that's what beyond comedy uh, co like it, 
for open micers, it's fun to just go there to tea, have everyone applaud for you. But I think uh, when you work on a solo level, uh, it's uh, it's it's not a uh, sixty minutes of club set, and uh, your your solo is uh, um it's a product like a as artist product, but also as a marketing product. But it also I believe it can create lots of good impact for people, uh, and I I really appreciate and uh, admire that. Oh, thank you, Moni. I feel very seen. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> uh, and yeah, um, I always, I always thought like even if people don't like my comedy, but they still get a good story <laughs> if they come to my show. Yes, yes, I think um, like the the solo, it's um, it's it's a different format, and uh, like it's kind of like a difference between short novels and uh, like a big fantasy book. Uh, and I, I think you really utilized with this format to tell a coherent story and your journey and also your different perspective, especially this like a really uh, different mix, like a really, really hardcore, uh, like a religious person. But then suddenly the, the crazy shit you did in this solo, I was like, wow, I cannot <laughs> imagine um, because I'm seeing this really uh, good looking, attractive um hip talented creative uh, comedian and then you were like a such insane like a religious <laughs> person and it's just brings so much um like a comedy uh drama in it um <clears throat> and I, I think it's really really well done uh so anyway uh, and uh, at the end <laughs> uh, I... june june 3rd june 3rd i'm doing my solo show again okay yeah <laughs> i don't yeah. know if the podcast comes out before that but... yeah uh, it, it will come next week uh so mm. uh freddy is doing her her solo show again in in, in june 3rd at the ziba uh, so just check out her website uh you went right uh, facebook uh uh, Instagram, yeah. you'll find the information. <laughs> and the one last thing I want to ask you is, um, like, uh, uh, I, I actually already know the answer. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, from your mental health uh, and as a comedian, uh, can you recommend a comedy uh, show, a uh, special where we can easily find online? that uh, really resonate with you and you really um, admire and inspired and recommend oh, to our a, audience? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I really, I really love Maria Bamford. She's probably been mentioned on this podcast before. She talks a lot about mental health and I think she's just so kooky. She's very smart, I think, and very self-aware, but just really silly as well. I love her. I love Gary Gullman, who also talks a lot about his depression. Uh, his, his recent special is called The Great Depression. Yeah. He, I just really love his, his style and like the way he thinks. And then also I really like Neil Brennan, Three Mics, um, where he kind of also found a way to like um, use comedy, but also kind of put like some serious stuff there where he's like, oh, I don't really know how to make this funny, but I really want it to be in the uh in the stand-up special so yeah i really love that and if it's not stand-up i really like fleabag obviously um i think that's a very cool uh female comedic voice a very honest and very kind of yeah fresh 
Yeah. Oh, I'm really surprised because I thought you really would uh, mention the the girl. What's her name? Tomlin. Oh, Taylor Tomlinson. Yeah. yeah, she's great. Yeah. That's true. That's true. She's probably closest to my own journey, um, except yeah. that she started comedy when she was like 15. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, jealous. Great. <laughs> Great, right. no, she a burn out soon, uh, and <laughs> and she a look older than you were soon. Anyway, <laughs> so I I think uh, three mics is is really really a masterpiece. Uh, yeah. I was I was uh, actually my journey is uh, like can with comedy is kind of similar to you. Like I never watched comedy before. Like uh, I'm from China, my English was really not so good. When I started comedy, now I watch my first video. Oh my God, I was like, how can anyone understand me? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I first time watched a comedy show and immediately I was like, I want to do this thing. It's something I want to do. And wow. I also like I went back to the same show two weeks later and I just started. And I was just so sure. I was never so sure about anything wow. in my life before, and it just works. And um, and then I was really, really depressed at that time. Then I watched near uh near Brennan. I was like, wow, this is so yeah. incredible! Like I didn't know doing comedy, you can be like getting so dark on stage, yeah. and uh, there was a like prolonged period uh of time on stage. There was no laughter at all. And uh, it's, yeah. it's just in yeah. talking and that's, that's so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot changing and I think that's great that it doesn't have to be one thing and like people get really vulnerable. That's like what I'm interested in. I just want people to show me like their real shit and like what like scares them and what changed them. I think, yeah, Oof. I think I'm, I'm still in love with the medium of comedy. I think it can do everything. Uh, cool i i i am really really uh the podcast uh, podcast is going to end in very soon uh i but i i, I want to tell you like i i really enjoy the conversation and i still have so many questions about <laughs> you i just like uh, every time when you talk about your past i'm like uh, in my brain i cannot make this work and uh, <laughs> and i'm like uh, i i really can picture you to have like your uh your mini series about your your journey like flick flick back uh, because this is just so ridiculous of all the shit you did before and now what you are doing this and uh, yeah. i have so many questions there and i i really like to get to know you more <laughs> it's i i look at you like you you said oh i'm insecure about the what then i was like oh you look like so hot <laughs> so attractive and uh, and so talented uh, smart intelligent and then you are like oh you are insecure sexually i was like oh this is insane <laughs> oh now i know what you mean yeah when i talk about the orgasm gap yeah 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 yeah, yeah of course i mean but everybody's insecure you know that right uh, I I don't know because I <laughs> I I grew up uh, uh ugly child and I always think people who's tall beautiful and hot they have no issues in life and now look <laughs> at you <laughs> you have everything you still have issues I'm happy about that well I I would say in my twenties I I was also not as attractive so you know I blossomed a little later after okay. I left Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, cool, cool, cool. Um, uh, thank you so much for the conversation, and thank I hope you. uh, eventually you'll find a good partner as good as Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed.
and I'll talk with you soon and uh, have a yeah. good day. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.